Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. Guys and gals, we got some great college football games this weekend. Week 10 of the 2022 college football season. Welcome again, everyone. I'm Paul Stone, and this is episode 76 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. In this week's podcast, appropriately titled Between the Hedges, uh, many of you uh, listening right now uh, realize that defending national champion Georgia host Tennessee, uh, which was ranked number one in yesterday's debut edition of the 2022 college football playoff poll, the Georgia host that Tennessee, number one Tennessee, Saturday in Athens, Georgia at Sanford Stadium. And games played there, as you know, are affectionately referred to as being played between the hedges. And even though, you know, all eyes are, will indeed be watching between the hedges this Saturday, uh, those of us who love college football anyway, that was actually not the reference in relation to this week's podcast title. But before we get into all this clutter and confusion uh, and and what it's all about, here's some some brief thoughts on this week's showdown between Georgia and Tennessee. I make lines, as many of you know, um, I make lines on all the college football games. I travel to Las Vegas most weekends, and I'm there in Nevada when Circa debuts the worldwide openers for college football the following weekend's college football each Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific. And uh, I made this line, uh, Georgia minus eight and a half. It was one of the easier lines for me to make. Um, You know, basically, I knew Georgia, or I felt Georgia would be favored by more than seven points, but certainly not by 10 points. So I just played line maker. And I centered it at eight and a half. Uh, that way, if he gets uh, play on Georgia, you know, it could get up to nine and a half. Uh, if he got play, if the house, excuse me, got play on Tennessee, it might get down to seven and a half, uh, but probably not down to seven. So that gives you a little bit of wiggle room, I think, in this type of game between these two teams um, in the uh, betting arena there. So this game is going to be heavily bet. I- I would anticipate one of the more heavily bet college football games of the 2022 regular season, and the reasons are obvious. I mean, it's just a high-profile game. You have two of the absolute top two teams uh, going at it uh, the first Saturday in November. Uh, it's a much-anticipated game. Um, it's an interesting game because it's it's difficult to totally and accurately gauge 
first of all, any college football game, but certainly this Tennessee team. You know, they have certainly shown themselves to be a worthy contender for a, a college football playoff spot this season with that great offense, averaging, I think, uh, still a little bit over 50 points a game with Heisman Trophy leading contender Hendon Hooker uh, playing quarterback and just a host of offensive weapons. Josh Heupel uh, in his second year there at Tennessee coming over from Central Florida, uh, just doing an exceptional job. The Volunteers, you know, not one of the better defensive teams in the nation, but they're adequate defensively, and they're better this year defensively than they were last year. And they got McCullough back uh, in the back of that defense in the secondary where they've been a little bit vulnerable. He missed a couple of uh, games uh, basically uh, due to uh, suspension. But he's back now. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting game. I don't really have a strong betting angle or position on this game. I think the line is right where it should be. I think there are better betting opportunities on the board. I might be involved just to have a little skin on the game, and I'll probably uh, take just a small piece of Tennessee, and I mean like a a small pizza, uh, probably a cheese pizza, and it won't even be a, it might, won't even be a small one. It's going to be one of those personal pan, or maybe just a slice. It might be really small, just one of those slices you can buy some places. So. Just to be involved, just to have some skin in the game, uh, make the viewing experience maybe a, a little more enhanced. I might do that, but I might not. So I think there's better betting opportunities. It's just a, uh, it's just a great game to watch. Um, a lot's going to be, uh, you know, found out on Saturday. So really, uh, really interested and excited to watch that game. So as far as between the hedges, what I'm talking about with this, title this week of my podcast, I'm talking about hedging from a betting perspective, and I believe it was last week I brought up the uh, BetMGM better who wagered $25 uh, on an Astros over Phillies World Series, and he made that that wager back when the Phillies, uh, I believe this to be correct, back when the Phillies were sub-500, their season looked more like a a dumpster fire uh, than one that would conclude in November at that time. He wagered $25 with the payout being $125,000 and $50 as well. Don't forget that, a little over $125,000. A $25 bet that the Astros would specifically beat the Phillies in the World Series. And through the sports book within the last couple of weeks, uh, the better indicated he was not hedging. Uh, He was riding it out. And I said last week, and I'll say it again this week, that's a terrible decision. Um, it's his ticket, but I mean, that's just, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not in the game personally to bet. You know, I'm in the game to win and that should be everybody's objective. You know, you should be trying to win. I mean, it's real money. You don't just want to throw it away. And some people can say, well, it's just entertainment. And I don't know how entertaining it is to lose. So it, it was a, it was a bad decision. Um, you know, and maybe it was financial, but I think he could have scraped together ten thousand uh, dollars and guaranteed, you know, himself a, a profit. Um, you know, at the in the days before the World Series, and I think I mentioned this price on the podcast again last week. The Phillies were plus one hundred and sixty. So I mean, even if you just bet ten thousand dollars 
on the Phillies at plus 160 to win the World Series, that's $16,000. So you clear essentially $16,000 there if the Phillies win. And then if the Astros go ahead and win, you know, you win your 125000 minus the 10, you've still collected $115,000. You still have a big six-figure payday. And by risking just the $10,000, again, you're guaranteeing uh, yourself a $16,000 profit. And, of course, you could bet more, and you could even pretty much just center it and just say, hey, either way it goes, I'm going to win this much money, whether the Astros win or the Phillies win. I mean, you are in a very enviable uh, position there. I mean, it's just what we dream of as betters. You create, you buy those tickets with hopes. If you're a professional, you buy those tickets with hopes of creating that type of position that's a win-win position or I can name how much I'm going to win position based on how much I do indeed hedge. And I think that makes sense uh, to most of you. Uh, the Phillies, the game just started. It's right now, it's uh, 713 Central. I think the game probably started minutes ago, game four. Uh, the Phillies uh, lead the series two to one. And uh, again, it's Wednesday, uh, November 2nd. They're playing tonight again in Philadelphia. And even if the Astros go on and they win, three straight games, and they prevail uh, in six games, it was still a poorly executed decision, in my opinion. If he, you know, if he didn't have the capital to hedge, which that could be, you know, money could be part of it, you know, I certainly understand. But with that ticket, he could have gotten, he could have gotten the cash, you know, legally and easily uh, to hedge his position. But again, he's the one who bought the ticket, or she, um, and you know, that person can do as they see fit. But it just makes me cringe when somebody creates an opportunity like this and the eventual outcome might be that they lose $25 when they could have named, you know, how much they won. So, again, um, we're trying to win. You know, we're trying to be long-term winners and always part of any, maybe not any, maybe not every, but the vast majority of professional sports bettors or people who do this seriously, certainly hedging is something that they are going to uh, go to, you know, probably fairly regularly. There are some misconceptions about hedging. Make no, uh, no mistake about it. A lot of people don't understand about when to hedge, in, in my opinion. And, you know, I, I want to concede, first of all, I'm coming from a basic approach. I'm not the ultimate expert on hedging, but in my opinion, the way I'd utilize it anyway to hedge, you really need to be in a position of strength. I had somebody ask me uh, earlier this week about hedging a ticket on a college football regular season win total that was uh, almost certainly, you know, doomed to be a loser. And I won't get into specifics, but with four games remaining on the team's schedule, you know, it's likely a loser, again, to put it mildly. My message to him was this, you know, there's nothing to hedge. You know, you're not in a position of strength. And again, a key element to being a long-term winning sports better, one of those elements is minimizing your losses. We're all going to lose. You know, everybody's going to lose. And it's better to lose laying minus 108 than minus 110. And it's certainly better to lose one bet rather than lose two bets. 
And so uh, when you have, especially when you have absolutely zero leverage. So in summation, my advice to him was just that. Don't turn one loser into two losers. And, uh, you know, uh, that's good advice, I think. And along those lines, and this is a little bit different, don't turn one winner into a winner and a loser. And where I'm going on this is I see people, I don't want to say oftentimes, but it's certainly not rare, but but I, I see the case where a better, you know, has at halftime almost assuredly has a winner on a college football side or total, and they are contemplating a second half bet. You know, to me, they're kind of seeing dollar signs. And if they had an extremely favorable range for a middle, you know, where they could win both bets, I'm not totally against that at all. In fact, I do that sometimes myself. But almost always, my second half bet will be for a maximum of up to 50% of my original bet. I mean, that's the one that put me here in the first place, and I don't want to bet those bets in equal amounts and then ultimately lose the juice. So uh, that's kind of my strategy there. It also, when you hedge in that fashion, when you make a halftime bet, let's say, for up to 50% of your original bet, if that original bet's not a total that's already gone over, let's say it's a side, and that team that was almost certain to win, they get outscored 35 to nothing in the second half, and you lose that original bet, then that hedge of up to 50% is essentially provided you with an insurance policy should the unthinkable uh, happen. So uh, that's part of it as well, because sometimes, you know, you think you've got a winner for sure, and it turns out uh, that the other team thinks otherwise and comes back. So to return to the original thought, oftentimes it's better in my mind, you know, again, to, to stick with your original bet. Don't start seeing dollar signs where there's no advantage to your subsequent bet. And again, don't turn one winner into a winner and a loser. You know, as a, as a year-round student of college football, you know, probably one of the betting opportunities that I enjoy the most is betting games of the year. And sometimes those bets are made as early as early May now or even late April uh, in some cases with legalized sports betting now available in uh, more than 30 states and just a whole lot of operators out there. So this weekend in week 10, I have four favorable tickets. And I only have four tickets this year on game of the year bets. And these were all made, you know, certainly before June 1st. But I'll just go over them and and kind of give you how I have responded and what additional bets I've made in in relation to these positions. Uh, Probably the most favorable I have of the four this week is uh, back in uh, late May, I took Baylor plus 14 over Oklahoma. Uh, that line currently, I think Oklahoma minus three and a half. I took Oklahoma uh, minus three earlier this week for 50% of my original game of the year bet. So I have Baylor plus 14 and have Oklahoma minus three. So if Oklahoma wins by between four and 13 points, I win both bets. If Oklahoma wins by three or 14 points, I win one bet and push the other. So real favorable position with that type of range available there. I also have Texas San Antonio plus six and a half over UAB in a key conference USA uh, matchup. Again, Texas San Antonio plus six and a half. The game is currently pick. I think UTSA might have actually even been a 
a favorite yesterday on Tuesday. I didn't respond then. I haven't responded uh, to this point with any additional bets. So right now, this will probably change because it is a small point spread. But currently, I just have uh, Texas San Antonio plus six and a half over UAB uh, with some value there. Third ticket that I have, Clemson plus one uh, this weekend at Notre Dame. Uh, I timed the market really uh, perfectly, I think, in this game. I took Notre Dame on Monday plus four and a half. That line now, I think, three and a half or four. So I've got uh, Clemson plus one. Then for 50% of that bet, I've got Notre Dame plus four and a half. So certainly I'm hoping for a close game there. And then my fourth ticket, Florida State took them uh, in the summer plus nine and a half over a Miami team that just about everybody thought would be much better than they are under first-year head coach Mario Cristobal. Got Florida State plus nine and a half. I'll probably come back and take Miami, Florida plus eight. I hadn't done that as of yet, uh, but that's really an attractive position. So I've got four really good tickets this week. Um, It's kind of what I hope for, what I look for. Usually do, you know, you know, to be blunt about it, I usually do quite well on these game of the year bets. Last week, though, in the spirit of full disclosure, I did have a game of the year ticket on Kentucky plus seven uh, at Tennessee. I underestimated Tennessee. They were a double digit favorite in that game, the game of the week. Uh, they blasted Kentucky. So the main thing is I'm looking for value. I'm looking for a better line in the summer than I think I can get uh, in the in the fall. And uh whiffed or did whiff on that Kentucky plus seven uh, bet at Tennessee. But my game of the years right now, I think I'm about 13 and three, something along those lines. So doing quite well on games of the year. Regular season, not up to my standards to this point, but you know, you're still working hard. You, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of time left, uh, four full weeks of the regular season. Then you have the bowl seasons. So there's still a lot of handicapping to be done, a lot of games still to be decided and, and looking forward to the rest of the season. Going to give you a quick uh, comp uh, selection here, and this is going to be in a interesting spot for Arkansas, right in the middle of their SEC schedule. They're going to be hosting Independent Liberty, a Liberty team that's only lost one game this year, uh, that being at Wake Forest. Uh, they lost in overtime, I believe, when they went for two points and failed, lost by one point. So a one-loss Liberty team. And first of all, I want to acknowledge the disparity in the strength of schedule for these two teams. You know, Arkansas' strength of schedule playing in the SEC West, as you might expect, ranks 14th in the country. Liberty's schedule, only 127th. Uh, but other than that, you know, I've got a whole lot of check marks on Liberty's side of the ledger in this game. You know, first of all, again, Arkansas in the middle of their SEC schedule. Uh, they last week played at Auburn in an SEC West matchup. They played Liberty this week, but on deck, they have home games awaiting against LSU and Mississippi. Liberty, on the other hand, off a of bye week. So that not only gives the Flames an extra week of preparation for Arkansas, but it also gives their opening game starting quarterback, Charlie Brewer, additional time to heal from a broken hand. Uh, that he suffered in that season opener against Southern Miss. Uh, he's expected to be available this Saturday against the Razorbacks. We'll likely share time with Jonathan Bennett, uh, who's been Liberty's quarterback uh, for most of the season. Bennett actually began the year as Liberty's third-team quarterback, but injuries to Brewer 
uh, and then later to Caden Salter, the transfer from Tennessee, uh, put Bennett into action, and he's really gotten better the last couple of games. But I expect to see Charlie Brewer under center some for Liberty, uh, along with Jonathan Bennett. Uh, this contest obviously has, you know, it, I don't think there's any denying it has greater significance for Liberty. You know, that program could take a giant leap forward with a victory at Arkansas on Saturday. And Liberty's head coach, Hugh Freeze, you know, he previously coached at uh, Ole Miss, so he knows Arkansas. He knows the SEC. You can rest assured this isn't just any old week for uh, for the head coach, for Coach Freeze. Freeze did recently sign a contract extension with Liberty, but his name's been mentioned in connection with the vacant Auburn job. Uh, he might be one of the top candidates. Certainly that extension at Liberty uh, could be uh, maneuvered around, a buyout, however they handled it, if he was to be deemed as the man that Auburn wants for the job. And I say all this just to get to this point. If Freeze goes into Arkansas with the Liberty Flames and beats the Razorbacks on the road as a two-touchdown underdog, his coaching star gets even brighter. It can't hurt his case for any job. So uh, that would certainly uh, be something to keep in mind. Both these teams have played BYU within the last three weeks. Uh, Liberty fell behind 14-3 to in the first quarter at home against BYU. The Flames then scored 38 unanswered points to defeat BYU 41-14. to Arkansas, meanwhile, played BYU on the road, uh, won there in uh, Provo 52-35, to gained over 600 yards. So both teams... Uh, very effective in their wins over that common opponent, BYU. A lot of 13 and a half out there, but there's some 14 as well. Shop around, take Liberty plus 14 over Arkansas this Saturday in Fayetteville. I'm going to give a quick plug to my uh, sports service. College basketball season starts this Monday, November 7th. I think when you uh, – count the added games, so-called added games. I think there's well over 100 games on the slate this Monday. Just about everybody is going to be in action. going to be a lot of basketball. My college basketball package starts again this Monday, November 7th. My college basketball package currently available uh, on my website, paulstonesports.org, 349 from uh, opening tip on Monday all the way through the national championship game in April. You can also get my uh, college football package there, the remaining uh, part of the college football season, a prorated package for 269 for college football only through the national championship game. Uh, you can also get a monthly or a weekly membership to my college football package. And then additionally, I have a college football and a college hoops combo package gives you the rest of the college football season uh, this year and the full college hoop season for just five forty nine. If interested, please visit paulstonesports.org. Again, that's paulstonesports.org. Well, I appreciate you joining me for another week of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Uh, I continue to kind of have some respiratory issues. I got the bug a couple of weeks ago, man, and I have taken everything you can take and still just hadn't totally shook it, but I'm back to close to 100%. So, you know, the show's got to go on. We got to keep handicapping games. We got to keep trying to win games. We got to keep speaking to the, to people who want to listen or, or uh, 
you know, subscribe to your podcast or listen to you on the radio or whatever the case is, you know, you, the, the show goes on, you do the best you can. And, uh, that's what we'll continue to do. Appreciate you listening. Many of you, you have been listening to my podcast for a, a year and a half since we started uh, way back in the spring of, of 2021. Again, this is episode 76. Everybody enjoy that Tennessee Georgia game this weekend. Also have LSU hosting Alabama in a huge game. Another SEC uh, West game there. And then you have a key uh, game again featuring Clemson traveling to South Bend to play Notre Dame. Just a uh, a big time game there. So a lot of great college football. This is week 10, guys and gals. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, be kind to people. Be careful. Be safe. Have a great weekend of college football. Signing off until next time. I'm Paul Stone. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions.